What's up, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. The theme for SummerSlam 21 with Cardi B up. SummerSlam 2021 is in the books, emanating from Las Vegas, Nevada. We will review it here on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And before we do that, a couple of housekeeping issues that we want to be able to give you. First of all, breaking news. Let me check the date on this. Hold on. This will be on the 28th of August. 28th of August, I'll be teamed with the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. We will host Busted Open together from 8 to 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday morning. A Saturday morning edition of Busted Open with Mark Henry. I'll be in sitting in for Ryan McKinnell. So I was on there a couple of weeks ago, and I will be with Mark Henry, 8 to 11 a.m. Central, this upcoming Saturday. Hope that you get a chance to listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 156. And if you don't, it will replay all day Saturday. It will replay most of Sunday on Sirius XM Channel 156 by Nation. And if you don't catch me on Sirius XM, you say, Hood, I don't have Sirius XM. I can't hear you. Well, you know I'll always hook you up, right? You know that I'll always hook you up. We will uh, play for you a portion of that show right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday if you don't get a chance to listen to me live. But if you can, I'd love for you to call in and be part of the show. It would be awesome for you to be able to be part of um, Busted Open, the Saturday edition with Mark Henry. It's Mark Henry's show. And again, I'm sitting in for his co-host, Ryan McKinnell. Last time I was on there a couple of weeks ago, it was really fun. Go back in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and hear me on Busted Open and for a national audience on Channel 156 as the rain comes down here on Tuesday evening. Um, The other thing I want to point out is CM Punk. It was so cool to have CM Punk uh, come on the show with uh, David Kaplan and I for Cabot J. Hood. We're on mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. If you missed our conversation with CM Punk, uh, apparently there have been so many outlets that picked up on our interview, uh, different websites, and I'm loving it because it gives exposure for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, uh, as well as uh, my morning show I do with Ka- uh, David Kaplan, Captain J. Hood Mornings, between 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000. If you missed that interview, candid. Punk was so candid. It was so good to have him on the Monday after he was at the United Center in Chicago. Again, one of the great moments of all time for me as a wrestling fan to be there at the UC, to be able to see CM Punk come out there in front of the fans that love him. And, you know, Justin Roberts, the ring announcer, asked people during one of the intermissions, like between matches, he asked the people, how many people here from Chicago? And I would say more than half of the buildings raised their hand. Who's not from Chicago? Who came from out of town to see AEW Rampage, the second episode with CM Punk? A lot of people raised their hand. A lot of people traveled coming into Chicago just to see what could be CM Punk 
coming back to professional wrestling, and he did. And I'm so glad he spent time with us. And again, if you missed the conversation, go back in the archives of this podcast and hear our conversation with CM Punk. And um, I just uh, also gave my thoughts about Rampage also on this uh, um, podcast as well. Immediately after Rampage, I gave a special Friday night, Saturday morning podcast to talk about what happened there. Kind of try to set the scene the best I could about CM Punk. It's all part of the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Make sure you tell people that John the Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, this podcast. It's one thing for you to listen to it. But if you pass it along to people, share it on Facebook or share it with friends, let them listen. Because this is the best in professional wrestling conversation emanating from a rainy Chicago, Illinois, here on this Tuesday evening. Okay, so let's talk about SummerSlam. There's a number of things we have to discuss regarding SummerSlam. And that is how I thought that the card overall was a solid B+. If nothing else, a solid B+. And there's a lot of title changes. Usually don't get that many title changes in one card, but that's exactly what happened in Las Vegas. Um, Before we even get into the wrestling, I understand that... uh, there were some issues as far as uh, the credit card machine, the credit card scenario in Las Vegas did not work well, where people were trying to pay for concessions and merch with credit cards, and they could not do that. The credit card machine was down. That means concessions were down. That means that the concession people had to give away hot dogs and beer and pop and everything else for free because people didn't have cash, and also... Uh, Allegiant Stadium was not prepared for uh, a cash-only business in that big stadium. Uh, just a disaster. And, of course, no pyro as well. It's just not exactly what the WWE probably wanted. Next time that the WWE will emanate from that same stadium, it'll be for Money in the Bank in July of next year. Hopefully, people can be able to buy what they want to, get the concessions that they want, um, get the pyro that they want, and uh, it'll be a better experience. But I'm sure it was a good experience as far as the in-ring because... As usual, the WWE with their tent pole events like this, like Survivor Series, like WrestleMania, like Royal Rumble, more times than not, the WWE will deliver. And I think for the most part, they did. Let's go through it. Warrior. John Cena. 
champion is Roman Reigns as he defeats John Cena. I will tell you that that was a tremendous build up to this matchup. The type of promo work that both were doing were just tremendous, I thought. It was the best of Roman Reigns and John Cena, even though same outfit, same jorts, longer hair, but still brought it. He doesn't need a script. He might need talking points every now and then, a few bullet points, but he knows how to carry himself in a promo. And I just thought that both brought the best out of one another To in the culmination of this matchup, the stipulation. And it's not like the WWE ever sticks with stipulations. Stipulations are just an afterthought in this company, but it was a little, um, a little extra on this matchup when Roman Reigns says, if I can't beat you, I'll leave WWE. And, of course, if John Cena wins... He could easily do a CM Punk and just leave, you know, go back to Hollywood with the championship or definitely be able to eclipse what what the WWE says would be the longest number of championships won by a single guy, which is not true. Right. Ric Flair ultimately has he's really like the 24, 25 time champion. But, you know, whatever the WWE says. Point is, though, I thought it was a very solid match. It was probably the second best match uh, on SummerSlam. But I loved how both had. Great promos leading into it. And, of course, Michael Cole couldn't help himself, right? There was a lot of near falls in which you didn't know exactly who was going to win. Even if you had a, a rooting interest, you didn't know what the finish was going to be. But did you hear Michael Cole at the end? Cole couldn't help himself but to give um, a, a call at the end to make you know that this is the last fall, right? Listen closely to the last few seconds of this. Uh, instead of... You know, being surprised at the three. No, Michael Cole wants you to know that what you're seeing here will be the last fall, the last bit of this matchup. Listen. Cena up to his feet. Roman Reigns with a spear. And just like that, Roman Reigns will retain the championship. And just like that, Roman Reigns will win the championship. Why would? Why did he say that? How about the lateral press, hook of the leg, one, two, oh, he got it. Like a surprise. Michael Cole called it like, oh, in my script, this is supposed to be the ending of the match. 
It's little things, man, just like that. And and let me just say this about this SmackDown broadcast crew. I think this is the most comfortable that Cole has been in a long time with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has time to be able to express himself, not even as a former wrestler, as much as he is just a fan. And I love his youthful uh, enthusiasm for wrestling. We haven't had that in a WWE booth in a long, long, long time. I like that McAfee is not chained to his chair and has to use all of this type of talking points that usually Kevin Dunn would give a broadcaster. You know, for better or for worse, McAfee is himself. I enjoy it because it's totally different. It's a different cadence. It's a different way to be able to call a match. And you hear a lot, actually a lot less Cole and a lot more McAfee. If you're watching SmackDown on a regular basis like I am, notice that McAfee's got time to talk about the head of the table and just be able to just kind of do his talk show thing as he sits with Michael Cole. I think it's a very good booth. And actually less of Cole. Cole allowing McAfee to be the fan and Cole just calling the matches and calling the near falls. I just didn't like that. And I've heard him do that for years now. You know that the end of a match is happening when he says that instead of being surprised at the end of a match. Then, of course, after the match, uh, Roman Reigns is victorious, and here comes Brock Lesnar, right? Brock Lesnar comes down, and there's a face-to-face between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I I don't know when this match will take place. Maybe it's going to be Survivor Series. Maybe it's even sooner than that. Um, But that's a mega match there that's really should be held for WrestleMania or for the Royal Rumble. And I don't know what that means for Paul Heyman, too. So it's a really interesting paradox uh, with these three, right? Heyman used to be the guy for Brock Lesnar. They were tied to the hip for years on several occasions in the WWE. Paul Heyman is now tied to Roman Reigns. Does that make Brock a babyface? Does it matter? I mean, a lot of question marks with that. So at least there's a story you can follow. But Roman Reigns is at the top of his game. I've heard him in interviews recently talking about how he was just so tied to a script and now he's able to kind of express himself the way he wants to. This is the Roman Reigns I saw at Florida Championship Wrestling. As far as his arrogance and believing he's better than everybody else and and just kind of a matter of factly just telling you how great he was. That's how he came into this company. And, of course, going through the Shield and having to be a babyface that he didn't want to be. Now as a heel, the Universal Championship means more to me now than it has in a long time because Roman Reigns has the championship. Uh, and so I enjoy his work immensely now. We could have had this five years ago. We could have had this when he was at Florida Championship Wrestling at the beginning. Now we're getting the best of Roman. And now th- with Brock Lesnar lurking, uh, it's going to be fun. Back. The 
against Seth Rollins. I don't know why they cut the music off in the entrance. They should have just let him come all the way to the ring with that music. Ah, the Attitude Era. That was my shit. Yes! Little Christian, little Grangel, uh, uh, Gangrel and Edge. It was so different. It was such a different act. Um, the Brood. I enjoyed that. I love those three together. And so... Brood Edge comes out, and he gave some of the some of those uh, late '90s, early 2000s moves to Seth Rollins. I love this match. It was the best match in the card. It was an A plus match. I can see this match ten times because it was just that good. Edge defeating Seth Rollins by submission, and again we talk about build, right? It's amazing how Jekyll and Hyde the WWE can be at times, right? Where you're watching a Monday Night Raw, you're watching a SmackDown, and it just doesn't seem to connect from one week to the other. But when it comes to these tentpole events that matter, SummerSlam, how great was Edge? That last promo in Phoenix where he's sitting in a chair with a spotlight on him in the, in the darkness, talking about how he's going to go to a dark place. And I'm thinking, what dark place? Oh, the Brood's Edge when he was in that devil worship group in some ways uh, with Gangrel and Christian. And then Seth Rollins is looking around. Seth Rollins had that fear like he was taking on The Fiend again. <laughs> he had that look. I said, boy, if there's a wrestler that brings fire to a match, Seth Rollins has no chance. That is his kryptonite. The Fiend was always about the fire and the same thing with Edge. He comes in that in that entrance. I said, that, then Seth Rollins is not going to win. Because I saw Seth Rollins against the Fiend. It's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. He's going to lose tonight. And uh, Edge and Seth Rollins put on a hell of a match. Um, and I can start to see now the parallel between the two. Not necessarily their careers, because their careers and their trajectory of their career was different. But just 
how you see both of these guys, and they're both very good at what they do. And Edge is one of those guys where he's in my top ten. I enjoy Edge. I've loved watching Edge, especially now. It's some of his best work that we've seen from him in a long time. Um, his work with Randy Orton, very good. But this matchup against Seth Rollins, really, really great. It stole the show for SummerSlam for me because what was on the line, Edge says, you know what, if you hit me in the neck, you can end my career. And for Seth Rollins, you see Seth Rollins with his big ego, these uh, flashy suits, we even saw like the um, the glam slam. We saw the pedigree. We saw the education. We saw all these different moves from both of these guys trying to win this match. The educator, um, all these different things, an edge spear, all of that. And then of course that that uh, bully choke at the end, boy, that was a great finish because I didn't expect that to be the finish. And once again, that is the art of professional wrestling. I did not expect that to be the finish. And guess what? It was the finish. And I enjoyed the hell out of that matchup. So Edge over Seth Rollins. It stole the show for me for SummerSlam. And think about it. No championships on the line. Just a grudge match. In the ring. Nothing over the top. Just two guys are trying to beat each other down. And I just thought it was just a very, very well done. Love that match. They're tired of this. So yeah, let's do a little double team here. See if we can get some get back. Oh! And Charlotte Flair just continues to soldier on. Can you believe the tenacity, the intensity of Charlotte Flair oh, in these moments? Where it's two on one. Well, listen, that's just a hallmark of being Charlotte Flair. You shine the brightest under the big on the big stage under the bright lights. The Queen knows that. She's lived that. The wheels have got to be turning for the Queen right now after she disposed. Nasty fashion of Rhea Ripley. I think Ripley just narrowly avoided disaster. Able to get her feet underneath her at the last possible second. Uh oh. Those are opponents outside of the ring. This is a good 12 foot drop. champion ascending all the way up to the top agony on her 
ready to fly. Eyes on the queen. Oh, Nikki wanted to crossbody that she won the title with in the first place, but instead finds figure four. It's in. Now it's capture time for Nikki A.S.H. Center of the ring. Can Nikki hold on? She's known for her will and her heart. Will that only last so long in a figure eight? The test of a lifetime. Charlotte Flair, champion again. She wins the Raw Women's Championship, defeating Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. What was the point of Nikki being the champion? What was the point of it? From everything I read about Nikki A.S.H. is that on the house show, she was being booed because nobody believed in someone that says, I think I can beat so-and-so and and the champion. Nikki A.S.H., almost a superhero, is a champion but did not emote any confidence with the stupid mask on her face and with the outfit. Now, she can go. I saw her once again, NXT. She was a maniac. She was, uh, uh, I thought she was a really solid wrestler that made you believe that she's a little bit off kilter, which is fine, a little bit nuts, nothing wrong with that personality. But she's the Raw Women's Champion, and she had the championship, what, for a few weeks? And she, she never made me believe that she was real. The WWE never made her put her in a position where it's like, you know what, she's a champion, and she's a really great champion. Here's why she deserves a championship. All her promos were two or three minutes on Raw, and she would talk about how I think I can beat so-and-so, and I think I can beat so-and-so. That doesn't emote confidence. And just the whole outfit, the get-up that she was wearing. Like, what's the point of this? A transitional champion, so Charlotte Flair can be champion again. Rhea Ripley is the future of this company. She's the president of the future of this company. You're trying to build baby faces. Rhea Ripley's that person, but she fell short in this matchup. And Nikki A.S.H., you're trying to make her a baby face, and she's getting booed all over the country because they see her as the champion, but not really. And the WWE specialized in that. Ask CM Punk, ask Rey Mysterio, ask Kofi Kingston. Oh, and speaking of Kofi Kingston... I thought we 
<sighs> and speaking of Kofi Kingston, Becky Lynch wins the SmackDown Women's Championship and Bianca Belair got Kofi'd. Let's unpack this. Okay. The WWE knew for at least, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, eight days. Eight days that Sasha Banks was not going to be available for SummerSlam. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of injury. I don't know if it's because of something else. But this whole time, they knew that Sasha Banks was not going to be available. You know why? Because all of a sudden, Sasha Banks was missing during the house shows. Where they had the contract signing, as you remember, on SmackDown a few weeks ago. But all of a sudden, she was not available. And all of a sudden, Bianca Belair and Sasha were not on the house shows. And that gave you the first red flag. Uh-oh, if they're not wrestling, trying to work out the kinks in the house shows, what's going on here? So they kept telling people on SmackDown. And, of course, the video vignettes and the open to SummerSlam. Like, oh, Sasha Banks against Bianca Belair. The rematch, here we go. They're going to take on one another. And come to find out, as Greg Hamilton, the ring announcer, said, that Sasha Banks is not available, that, she can, that she's not going to be there. And then they ring. They put the music out for the man, Becky Lynch. And the place exploded, right? Because we have not seen Becky Lynch because uh, her and Seth Rollins had a baby. And so she's been taking care of her child. And here she comes. It's like she never left. Coming, you know, walking down the aisle. And she's got her man shirt on. And she, you heard in the promo, let's tear the house down. Tear the house down for 25 seconds. And Bianca Belair loses the championship. What the hell is that? What is that? Now, either Becky Lynch was not ready to go for 10 or 15 minute match to have a good match. Or they just want to take the belt off of Bianca. And now we come to find out after SummerSlam that Becky Lynch wants to be a heel. Oh, that's funny. One of the best baby faces in the company that sells the most merch even while she's been away. She's been right up there as far as merchandise sales. Now wants to be a heel because she did heel-like tactics. She cheap-shotted Bianca Belair. Two moves. That's really tearing the house down the WWE, by the way. The two moves. And then, and then she wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. So what happens to Bianca now? So what happens to Bianca now? Again, Bianca is a babyface, so now she's got a chase for the championship of Becky Lynch. It's just the typical WWE shitty booking where they could have said all along, Sasha Banks is not going to be available, so we have a replacement for her. Or you could just be forthright and say that Bianca Belair will take on Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch will return, right? And it's, you still get the same reaction. The place was going to blow in Las Vegas just to see Becky Lynch again for the first time in over a year. A year plus. So they could have been honest and forthright with their audience, but that's not what the WWE does. What they decided to do is they decided to swerve everybody and think that Sasha Banks is going to be there. And Sasha Banks was not there. And so they bring in Becky Lynch to Kofi Bianca Belair. Now, here's the thing. I'm not the, like this biggest, hugest... Um, Bianca Belair Mark I'm not that person but I just think that the booking of that was just odd <laughs> just, I just thought that that was strange especially when they're supposed to be tearing the house down and they did not 25 seconds and that was it very very strange let me get to some of these other matches on Smackdown that I really liked um, as, as I mentioned let me just go through the ones we just talked about here I just thought that the 
seeing Brock Lesnar return after Roman Reigns defeated John Cena was great. By the way, when John Cena loses a big match, you notice how he dis- disappears? Just like that. You ever notice that? Like Kevin Owens beat John Cena once and like Cena just disappears. He just he falls out of the picture. You just don't see him. Like he was already on a plane to Vegas by the uh, on his way to California someplace when Brock Lesnar was coming down. When when Cena loses, he just falls out of sight, man. You don't know where he is. He's just gone. Um let me so I thought that that was the second best match in the card, Roman Reigns against John Cena. That's if at worst that's an A minus uh match, B plus match. But I thought it was, they told a great story. I thought it was great. As I mentioned to you before, Edge and Seth Rollins, I thought was the best match on the card. This uh, Raw Women's Championship matchup, I just, I, I, I thought it was very good, like B+. Plus. I thought it was very good. I just don't understand why Nikki was a champion. I mean, coming in, she was the third person in this matchup that I thought that would win. I thought it would either go to Charlotte or Rhea Ripley. I never thought Nikki Ash would win this championship. That would retain her title. So that's um, interesting. I just thought that that was just um, the payoff of everything you wanted from Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. That just wasn't great. 25 seconds. That could have been a 10, 15-minute classic. You could have promoted it. Maybe Becky wasn't ready for that, though. Again, I don't know. Other matches on this card. I thought that Big E and Baron Corbin had a really solid matchup. You know, Baron Corbin... I think that he's one of the guys that's over in the company. He's uh, his whole thing where he's in Vegas and he's getting lucky. He's got his shirts clean. He was um, making money on the craft tables in Las Vegas. And now he's down his last $200 as we record this. Uh, but he was eating caviar, had steaks, had women around him. And now he's back down to his last $200 since being in Las Vegas the last few days. So I've, I'm getting a kick out of that. I think that's fun. Uh, AJ Styles and almost against RK Bro as um, RK Bro uh, defeating AJ Styles uh, to win the championships, the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, like I've seen opposites attract tag teams at WWE. This is this is not fun for me to see Randy Orton and um, and um, and Riddle together. I I don't know. I just. It's an attraction, I'm sure. But, I mean, I've seen opposites attract tag teams forever in this company. And with almost, I, he's still green as a pepper tree. So I don't know, this is almost going to be a singles now at some point. Will he get better? I know this is what Vince likes, likes the big guys, but he's still green to me. Um, this really was AJ Styles versus RK-Bro in a lot of ways in this matchup. Um I skipped past Alexa Bliss and uh, Eva Marie. I think I went to the bathroom or washed my hair or something, so I didn't see that. I from what I understand that this matchup um, didn't have the doll involved in it, so I didn't care about this match. So I think I went to warm up food or do something else. I just was not interested in this. I was interested in Sheamus and Damian Priest for the United States Championship. Another match I'd like to see more often. Uh, and Damian Priest, deservedly so, wins the United States Championship, but Sheamus works hard, man. There's no off nights with Sheamus. I'm not saying Sheamus has never had like a B or C-plus match, but definitely there's physicality when he wrestles. Big, raw-bone, thick dude, and he, he lays it in big time. If you've never appreciated Sheamus, that's you. I've always appreciated Sheamus for the most part because he's... He comes across real, man. Those, it's hard hitting. You could see it. 
Uh, and to see Damian Priest there to be able to win the United States Championship, well-deserved. Again, this company needs baby faces. I think Damian Priest definitely is that guy. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, I thought that he didn't. He needed to be on Raw and SmackDown before coming to NXT, but I just think that he, he is a rising star in this on this WWE brand. Um, the Usos defeating the Mysterios to retain the tag team championships for SmackDown. We keep hinting or keep seeing that possibly there's a, a split with the Mysterios, and I would ask why. Dominic, Dominic's just okay, man. I, I, there's nothing dynamic about Myster- like Dominic Mysterio to make me think, man, that's the next level guy. Nah, not yet, not yet. Uh, and if there's going to be a split between father and son, there, I don't understand. Like, I don't want to see that match at all. I'm not interested in that match. Um, but the Usos, though, I mean, one of the best tag teams of the 2000s for sure, and they just continue to roll. So, um, the Usos being the Mysterios, I thought that was a very good match, a B plus match. That was very good. I mean, I I like tag team wrestling, and so I I like what I saw there. But if Ray and Dominic are going to split, I I'm not sure who wants to see that. Just to be honest. Um, Drew McIntyre against Jinder Mahal is a quick win for McIntyre. Uh, kind of a mid card filler for me there. And they're tr- I understand why Jinder is on the main roster and why he's in these matchups. I understand that. India needs to be able to see him. I understand that you know Europe needs to see him. Jinder Mahal is a former WWE champion, and you can never tell, right? You can't tell that he actually was a champion, right? I mean, I'm sure they. I'm, I know they mentioned in the broadcast, but Drew McIntyre needs to have better competition than Jinder Mahal. No shot at Mahal, but I think Mahal is mid card filler, quite frankly, when he's out there. But you know, Drew McIntyre. It would have been good to see him as champion in front of a capacity crowd on a regular basis. He was the champion of the pandemic. I'd like to see him in uh, as champion or defending a championship in front of a crowd. How about Goldberg against Bobby Lashley? Okay. I didn't like this from the beginning. Not the match. I'm just talking about the build, right? It's like, here comes Goldberg rolling in, the old-timer rolling in against Bobby Lashley. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't realize it at the time, but when I was watching the WWA, for those of you youngsters that don't know what that is, um, watching wrestling out of Indianapolis and out of Chicago run by Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher and Wilbur Schneider and those guys, right? And they had an affiliation with the AWA, the American Wrestling Association. And as a kid, I didn't realize that those wrestlers I was watching, like Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher and those guys, those guys were like 25 years out of date, when I watch Goldberg, I look at, like, the crusher. I look at guys that are 25 years out of date. Like, I was watching Bobo Brazil and Wilbur Snyder. These guys were great, like, in the 60s. And I'm watching them in the 80s. And it, you could just tell the wear and tear. They're wrestling in slow motion. They only have a few things that they used to do. Now, I'm not saying that Goldberg is in slow motion. But, my God, man, he's out there with his 15-year-old kid, Gage Goldberg. And Goldberg at his peak was good, not great. Um, <laughs> I've seen him out there with Bobby Lashley. Lashley's in his prime, and he's great as the company champion. Bobby Lashley is the is the WWE champion. He's out there trying to do something with Goldberg, and it's like, God damn, man. Really? This is like Goldberg just... 
outside of the chant, I don't know what's left from Goldberg. And I know that Vince McMahon likes him because Vince sees himself in Goldberg. Like, ah, an old-timer still can get it done. Like, I know Goldberg's will be ageless, but it just... It doesn't work, man. I saw all I need to know. I saw all I need to see against the Undertaker. Undertaker Goldberg and Saudi is all I needed. That should have been it for both of those guys. And Goldberg continues, and this is gonna go on because of the referee stoppage. Bobby Lashley defeated Goldberg via referee stoppage, and because Lashley attacked Goldberg's son, like Goldberg coming back again. Like I don't want to see him back here again. Just just rolls in like you got a, ro- a roster full of wrestlers that want to compete for the WWE Championship. And I don't mean like, you know, breaking Kofi Kingston in half, that nonsense. I don't mean that. I mean, like, you have a roster full of guys that can be able to give Lashley a good match to the point where you think Lashley could win the championship. You know, Lashley could lose the championship or retain a very difficult, you know, matchup. Good Lord. Goldberg rolling out there again, just... Don't understand it. Um, but overall, as I mentioned to you before, I thought that the SummerSlam card was about a B-plus overall. But it's good to see Brock Lesnar back. It's good to be able to see you know, Becky Lynch back, even though under the circumstances, I just don't, I don't get how she, she's just in there for 25 seconds and wins the championship. It's like... Is she back full time? Can she be able to elevate Bianca Belair? Like I, I didn't like that part of it, but just some of the hard hitting mid card matches, and of course Edge and um, Edge and Seth Rollins really was the tip of the iceberg for me. So I really enjoyed that. All right, my friends, uh, I will review NXT uh, and their Takeover show. I figured something out about that, by the way. Uh and that'll be the next podcast. I, I could tack it on here, but I think I'll hit record again and review NXT uh, TakeOver with you in a different podcast. For those of if you got a chance to watch it, we'll be glad to talk about it for sure. I just figured something out, though. I was thinking, like, you know, usually SummerSlam would be on a Sunday, right? And, like, NXT would be the Saturday before. Because there's been so much turnover with NXT, it's almost like Vince like, nah, stay home. Just do your thing from the CWC Center. We'll be, we'll go out to Vegas and you guys stay here because your roster is decimated now. Can you fill up the Thomas and Max Center or the Cox Arena in Las Vegas with NXT? And I think they would have had a decent house. Uh, what about you? I mean, based on everything that we know about NXT and all the changes, because there was a title change there, which we will talk about in our next podcast. Don't you think that NXT could have traveled with uh, the SummerSlam crew and been at an arena in Las Vegas and fill it up. I mean, since you have people from all over the country and probably over over the world that was able to travel in to see SummerSlam. Not, I mean, I'm sure not the type of flights that you usually would get like for a WrestleMania, but I'm sure people flew into Vegas because it's a destination. I think people would have been able to fill up an arena like a Cox Arena or the Thomas and Mac in that same facility or another smaller arena in Las Vegas or in the area and have NXT. And then you have NXT and the WWE together. I don't, that's the first time in a while where NXT was just able to stay in their usual building and not travel with the major pay-per-view. Hmm. I think it's because of the roster turnover, but if you know that it's going to be Adam Cole's possibly last time in the company, um, you'd want people to pay tickets for that, right? Instead of like the 300 people at 
full sale or, or at the CWC Center. Hmm, just thought that was interesting. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at WrestlingTWT and tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget to go in the archives, not just this podcast. If you missed the conversation with CM Punk, the interview, the first interview that he did after being in Chicago at AEW Rampage, check it out. All of the publications have picked up on the interview. They've had transcriptions for it. It's awesome that people listened to, the, to his interview this past Monday. It's on this feed. The same thing with my thoughts about um, CM Punk returning to wrestling uh, a few hours after I was there at the United Center. Uh, also, on the 25th of August, I will be in Milwaukee for AEW Dynamite. I will do a podcast on my way back home from Milwaukee to Chicago. So that'll be the extra uh, audio that I will give you. We're in a great time. If you're a wrestling fan, we're in a great time. And I'm traveling to go see some of this wrestling and report back to you. I love doing it because we are Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people, Jonathan Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. Where do you download this podcast? <laughs>